This is the kind of thing that people don't like to talk about, but it's very important to communicate. So if you haven't had a family meeting with your family about your intentions with your will or any other kind of compensation, just book that family meeting and have a conversation, let everybody know where everything stands, where all your documents are and what your intentions are. Welcome to the only show that simplifies the complicated world of retirement planning while embracing life beyond the numbers. Expect clear insights, accessible tools, expert interviews, and actionable advice. Empowering you to use your values as a roadmap to your ideal retirement. No MBA required. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. I am Joe Curry, along with my co-host as always, Lindsay Wilson. How are you today, Lindsay? I'm great, Joe. How are you? I'm good. It's a big day. It's my last day in the office for a while. Have some family vacation coming up and it's also Valentine's Day. Yes. Anyone watching the recording, you can see my craft from Lou behind me there. <laughs> Lovely. Great. So anyway, yeah, always a fun day. And Valentine's Day is actually a day that Ash and I got together too. So it's a little bit more important than maybe for some people, Valentine's Day. Oh, it is a special day for you guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I thought we might move into a topic we've touched on before, but was worth a deeper dive. So it's navigating estate planning and gifting for a smooth retirement. So we have the idea that fair doesn't always mean equal, especially when it comes to estate planning and gifting to children. It's a common misconception that equal distribution of assets among children is the only fair approach. However, if we look at it from a retirement planning point of view, fair and equal aren't always synonymous. So I figured it would be good for us to explore why. So just to start off, could you explain or talk about how differing financial needs can impact this view and that fair and equal are the same thing? You're right. We've touched on this in the past. We haven't gone specifically into this. It's been kind of a byproduct of some estate planning discussions we've had in the past. But I mean, there's some different things that could come into play here, right? So different children may have some different financial needs and circumstances. Some may be financially independent, while others, they might need more support due to various things like health issues, education expenses, or other life challenges. So for example, maybe one child has a disability and gifting or legacy, it might make sense for our listeners, if they have a disabled child, to leave a larger chunk. And we've seen our clients do this, leave a larger chunk to the disabled child in trust. So in Canada, that would typically be a Henson Trust. Mm -hmm. And basically that would go to make sure that their needs are taken care of and they don't become, I don't want to say a burden, but maybe a burden financially on some of the other siblings or the other kids in the family. So it might make sense to distribute more there because their needs are greater. Or maybe you're taking care of all your education needs for your kids and one of your kids wants to get a PhD where another just did trade school. So maybe depending on the values in your family, if your kids want to do more schooling, that's something that you want to take care of. And therefore, maybe you're giving more money to that child who's taking their education further. Mm -hmm. And this is something we've seen with our clients, another situation where maybe when your kids are just dealt a tough hand or they're going through a tough time. So an example that, again, we just recently went through is one of our clients, their children went through a separation and it was important to the clients that their grandkids were able to stay in their home. So they helped out partly through gifting and partly through loaning some money to help their child keep the house so the kids could stay in the same house moving forward. They had that conversation with all three of their kids to let them know why they were doing it, why it was important to them and how it was not going to be equal. And everyone was on board just having that conversation, kind of set the expectations up front so that everybody could support that. And we'll talk a little bit later about communication, but that was key in that situation. Absolutely. 
So let's look at another example, say we consider contributions and sacrifices to the family and how potentially that might affect what is considered fair. So contributions and sacrifices, different children make throughout the years could have an impact. So some may have actively participated in a family business. Maybe one of the kids cared more for you as the aging parents or made some other personal sacrifices for the benefit of the family in general. So acknowledging these efforts could play a role in determining what's fair. So again, separating what's fair from equal. Talking about the aging parents, for example. So maybe one of your children ends up taking time off work to make sure they're there to provide the care that you need. Or maybe you've even moved into their home and there's some extra expenses coming up. And this is something that you're realizing is a big contribution and a sacrifice for them to take this time. So you might want to compensate them. So whether that's just during the time that they're caring for you, or maybe it's through like an inheritance, right? Making a different distribution of wealth, I guess, when you pass away, right? Mm -hmm. Another example might be maybe there's a family business. So you run a family business and as you want to slow down, you need one of your kids to come on board to keep things running. And maybe that's not really what they want to do, but they know for the family that it's important to you to help out and be there to keep things running. Mm -hmm. And that might hold them back in their own career. So that could be a sacrifice that you might want to compensate them for. Again, when it comes to your will, state planning, or even just in the time while it's happening. I think that dovetails nicely into our next question, which is, how might a family keep things fair when there is a family business that one sibling is involved with and will carry on while another has pursued a different career path? Sure. So there could be, if it's a successful business, this is again, something we deal with on a regular basis, there might be value associated in inheriting that successful business. So just to say there's two kids, it doesn't make sense to leave the business to both kids when only one is involved and the other one has nothing to do with it. Because at the end of the day, what's going to happen there is going to be competing priorities. So if I'm not involved in the business, but I own half of it, my priority is like, send me some dividend checks. I want cash flow coming out of the business, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm the one in the business, I'm probably thinking about it differently. I'm looking at, you know, how do I grow the value? How do I grow the business? And that might be taking reinvestment. So there might not be a lot of distributions to come out of the business. So that could create some difficult dynamics between the kids if they both have equal ownership but one is more involved in the business than the other. So that's not typically what we would like to see. Again, on the same hand, though, if there is significant value there, leaving it to only one child could make things very unequal when it comes to the financial circumstances. I mean, there's some other ways we could look at that. We've seen scenarios where it made sense for one child who's involved in the business, they get the business, while the other child is going to get the personal assets. So they get the house, they get the investments. And that was close enough that, again, not exactly equal in value, but we've seen that where parents felt that was pretty fair. Another way you could do that is getting an idea on what the value of the business is and having life insurance. So it's just one child gets a check from a life insurance company while the other child is taking on the business. So it's kind of a clean separation there. Everyone typically would be happy. And, you know, in a lot of cases, there might be more value in the business than what the other child or children not involved in the business might get. And the reason that parents might want to go that route is because there's also a lot of sacrifice and there's no guarantee the business keeps running when you're gone, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a little more risk involved in that business piece. And another way to tackle this is the business is doing well and you're going to retire and your child has the means maybe it makes sense for them to just buy the business from you outright before anything happens to you. And that way, we're not worried about how we're separating these assets on death. Right. So I think what is underscoring all of this in a conversation that's worth having is 
delving into the importance of understanding family dynamics when it comes to estate planning. So how does that play a role in estate planning for you? I think the big thing here is understanding sibling relationships can be complex, not always, but they can be. So we want to take that into account. Looking at potential conflicts is crucial when deciding a fair distribution of assets. But the most important thing here, which I mentioned earlier, is open communication and transparency is going to help manage the expectations. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is the kids might not always be happy on the way you set things up. But at least if you're having family meetings or maybe depending on those dynamics, maybe they're one-on-one meetings with each of the kids and you're having good documentation around what's happening and why it's important for you to have things happen that way, that's going to limit any kind of potential disputes in the future and can help kind of manage those dynamics. Mm -hmm. So if we were to summarize some of these scenarios with more actionable ideas as to how our listeners might approach keeping things fair, though maybe not equal, what sort of summary would you give? Sure. So I'll run back through a couple of things I've already said, but hopefully I'll give them a little bit more actionable form. So in the case of leaving a specific asset, such as a business, but this might not be a business. It also could be a cottage. Maybe one child Mm -hmm. cares a lot about the cottage. The other child financially wouldn't be able to upkeep or just they have no interest in it. So if we look at a situation like that, we're talking about potentially life insurance to equalize, especially something like a cottage, a lot easier to get a value in a cottage. So life insurance could just create another asset that just equalizes things. Looking at other personal assets, such as the primary residence, your personal investments. So those things where we can just separate it out. They're both getting, or again, multiply, depending on how many kids there are, everybody's getting some assets, some value out of it. It's just something that's going to be more pertinent to their situation. In the case of a disabled child, it might, like I said, make sense to leave a larger share of those assets. And in some cases, we see almost all the assets going to the disabled child and leave it into them in trust. And typically, it's going to be one of the other kids that are going to manage or be the trustee of that money for the disabled child. Mm -hmm. So in that scenario, it also might be appropriate to compensate the child if only one of them, if there are multiple other children, compensate them for the time and effort involved with being the trustee and looking after the disabled sibling. Mm -hmm. And that could be done in the will or maybe that money's left in the trust for the disabled child. Maybe the sibling who's the trustee is actually the beneficiary of that trust should the disabled child pass away first. Mm -hmm. And then in the case of the aging parent, so you might want to consider having some kind of intentional compensation system, we could say, while you're still alive. So maybe there's just a certain amount of money you're giving your child who's looking after you on a regular basis, like each week or each month, and that's helping with some of the expenses that you're experiencing or they're helping you with, if they're picking up groceries, things like that, they don't have to worry about, but also maybe there's a little bit extra coming their way just to acknowledge the extra work and effort that's being involved. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is maybe it's not compensated that way because you don't know how long your money's going to last, but maybe it's just addressed in the will. And again, communication is key there. Have family meetings, make sure everybody's on the same page so there's no future disputes. Mm-hmm. And that might be the same if we're having unequal distribution and might come back to an estranged child too. We've seen that too, where um, children or even grandchildren are left off of the will where others are involved. And it hasn't been clear. I mean, it's just set up like that on the will, but there's no clear message or intentions like why it's like that. So we want to make sure that family is clear on why things exist. And if it's someone you're not talking to, again, leaving letters or other documentation to make sure that everybody is on the same page and your intentions are clearly documented so that you're to the best of your ability, avoiding any potential disputes in the estate. Right. Any parting thoughts? So I know we like to leave with clear action items when we can. This one obviously is going to vary on your situation. So I think the main thing here is that This is the kind of thing that people don't like to talk about. 
but it's very important to communicate. So if you haven't had a family meeting with your family about your intentions with your will or any other kind of compensation, just book that family meeting and have a conversation, let everybody know where everything stands, where all your documents are and what your intentions are. Great. And one thing I'll mention is we do have an estate planner guide that could be very helpful. And I'll include that in the show notes for anybody who's interested in a tool and helping them start that estate planning process. Perfect. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks, Joe. Investment services are provided through Matthews & Associates Investments of Aligned Capital Partners Incorporated and approved trade name of Aligned Capital Partners Inc. ACPI. Only investment-related products and services are offered through ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI and covered by the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Tax planning, financial planning, and insurance services are provided through Matthews & Associates. Matthews & Associates is an independent company separate and distinct from ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI. Matthews & Associates are not licensed tax professionals, and you should consult with your tax advisor before acting on any recommendations. Visit retirementplanningsimplified.ca and join the Retirement Planning Simplified community where we explore the complicated world of retirement planning while embracing life beyond the numbers. As a member of our community, you'll receive insights, tips, and the latest retirement planning tools straight from us to you.